0: Welcome everybody to our podcast, um, which is um, one of a series of podcasts as part of um, the Healthy London Partnership's um, Ask About Asthma campaign. Um, today is quite exciting, we've got a number of questions from children and families across London um, to a panel of experts who are going to attempt to answer those questions. I think if they can't answer the questions then nobody can. We have somebody from primary care, we have a uh, um, A specialist nurse and we have a paediatrician as well so we've got everything covered hopefully um my name's hannah and i am mother to a 15 year old with severe asthma who this week has just come out of shielding and is absolutely over the moon to be in a kayak today and i'm also over the moon to have a quiet house um and my background is that I am also a respiratory physio although that was quite a few years ago so I will not be attempting to answer any questions today but we have our excellent panel. What we'll do is if we start off by introductions and if you guys could just say who you are, what you do in your role um, and maybe um, something you've learned about yourself during the lockdown period. Shall we start with Oliver?
1: Uh, Yeah, Uh, yeah. hi, thanks Hannah. Um, So my name's Oliver, Um, Oliver Anglin. I'm a GP in Camden. Um, I'm uh, the Clinical Lead for Children and Young People for North Central London, Um, and I'm also the Clinical Lead for Children's Asthma for the Healthy London Partnership and Chair of the uh, London Asthma Leadership and Innovation Group. So here, I suppose, today in my context as a a GP that looks after children um, in a primary care setting with, with asthma, something i've learned about myself um during lockdown um i think i've gone on the diy uh, i've gone on the diy tip that's that's how my that's how my spare time in lockdown's done and what i have um the new thing i've discovered about myself is that i now know how to roof a shed so
0: wow that yeah is-
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> a man of a man of many talents so you know if ever we stop having sick people in in the uk i can move on to um roofing sheds.
0: (laughs) Great, thank you. Um, Rahul, do you want to go next?
1: Um, I'm Rahul Chutari. I'm a consultant,
2: a paediatrician at Roar Free London Foundation Trust. Uh, I have interest in respiratory medicine and asthma. And during lockdown, what I've learned is that I live on a very vibrant street, because in the past, I never was there in the daytime well, what I figured out is that my street is full of plenty of children, lots of activities and plenty of pets, which I was never aware of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually did. We do have a lockdown puppy and that's been quite an adventure, I have to admit, in our house. Um, uh, Emily, do you want to go? I'm Emily Gilmore. Barry
3: and I am the Children's Community um, Asthma Nurse for Newham Um, and it's my job to see any newly diagnosed asthmatics or anyone that's had a hospital admission within the borough to see if we can make life a little bit better and to try and identify a few things that might help families um, and children. Um, The thing that I've learned during lockdown very embarrassingly is that I'm horribly competitive with my six-year-old and my three-year-old especially with um, family games and um, it turns out that I'm not very good at losing I really do (laughs) like to win
0: very good well your children have a strong role model Emily I think that's how you should see it (laughs) they will do well in life (laughs) Um, I learned in lockdown that actually when I did my work experience at 15 in a primary school and decided teaching was never for me I definitely made the right decision because homeschooling three children and working full time is definitely an adventure Um, great thank you so shall we, let's maybe start with basics and just uh, start a conversation about what actually is asthma um, and how how would you explain that to children and families? Rahul, did you want to cover that one?
2: So asthma is a common lung condition and that causes occasional breathing difficulties. It affects uh, pretty much people of all ages, but most often it starts in childhood. Uh, The main symptoms of it are a whistling sound when you're breathing, it's often called as wheezing, a breathlessness, and a sensation of a tight chest, as if a tight band is put around you, and coughing. Symptoms can sometimes get temporarily worse, making you feel very breathless, And this is known as an asthma attack. Uh,
0: Another question that's submitted by by one of the children, they've just asked, will I ever grow out of my asthma? Is this something that just happens in childhood? Is there a chance that, um, you know, you can grow out of it when you hit teenage years? Or is it something that you live with for the rest of your life?
2: Um, Asthma symptoms often start in uh, childhood and they can disappear later in life. Sometimes a children's asthma goes away temporarily only to return a few years later on, but in other group of children who have had frequent episodes of asthma attack, particularly those with severe asthma, they don't tend to grow out of it, but the medicines which are available are excellent nowadays to be able to control the symptoms and enjoy pretty much life to the full.
0: Great. Thank you. I know um, th- maybe the next questions for you, Emily or Oliver, because um, I know with my own son, it took us a few years before he had a diagnosis and a label of asthma. Um, how how do you diagnose a child with asthma? And when does that generally happen?
3: There are various
0: ways. Before
3: Before the age of five, traditionally, you never really used to diagnose asthma because everyone wanted to do lots of lung function and bits and pieces to see whether they could get a diagnosis. Actually, taking a really good family history is a great way of diagnosing asthma because it can run in families and that really increases your likelihood if you've got other people with hay fever and eczema and asthma in your family. So that makes it more likely. Um, Diagnosis tends to come in the form of trying some asthma treatment if we think that asthma is likely monitoring it seeing if it makes any makes it any better and that's a really great way of seeing um, if it's asthma um, other ways can be monitoring your lung function via peak flow if you're old enough or going in to have your lung function tested and doing something called spirometry where you do great big lung breaths and we can have a look at those on the computer so there's lots of ways of being diagnosed with asthma uh,
1: yeah i um i agree with everything that um emily's uh, said um you know very much um, the in in my experience, often um, the parents want us to do a test that will say yes or no whether my child has asthma. Um, and I think an important point to to make here is that there's not really a definitive test for asthma. There are some tests that can um, that can increase your um, uh, your suspicion that the condition might be asthma. Uh, but frequently it is based on history, presentation—you know, how the 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 pattern of the symptoms, the family history, that sort of thing. And um, my, my, you know, we, um, me as a as a GP, uh, we're we're often the first point of contact. So, you know, come come in, speak to your GP if you're concerned about it, and we'll take you through some of those questions and and get a bit of a sense about whether yes, this is looking like it might be or or not, and and then guide you through any of the next steps as required.
0: Great, thank you. What might I expect as a parent if my child was referred to a consultant for their asthma?
2: So if you're referred to the consultant's uh, clinic, um, the consultant and their team of specialist nurses would uh, talk to you about the symptoms uh, your child has experienced. What else are the factors within your family which might make asthma more common or more uh, uh, complex or severe? Uh, If there are other factors which go with asthma, such as food allergy, eczema, or allergic rhinitis, what are your current group of medicines and if they're working well for you, Uh, as well as uh, a take take you through how to take those medicines properly and explain to you about the emergency plan in case you get an asthma attack. Uh, the Consultants Clinic will also help you to liaise particularly with school to make them aware of what your symptoms are uh, and give you tips on how to enjoy life to its fullest.
1: Um- and I suppose for, um, for, for those listening as well, I think um, the majority of children who are diagnosed with asthma um, will probably never need to see a consultant. it will be seen in primary care or be supported um, by, by people like Emily who are, who are working in the community. Um, and typically it's really only when um, a child is, is struggling with their asthma. So for whatever reason, it's not controlled. Um, and it's you know, not, uh, we're not able to handle it in primary care or with the support of, of, um, of our community asthma nurse specialists, um, that, that we might need to get consultants involved. It's been a real um, evolution in how asthma is looked after.
0: Great, thank you. Yeah, I think in our experience, we've um, had a fantastic um, experience of a really good working relationship between our GP and consultant and our asthma nurse who feels like she's part of the family because we've known her for 14 years and she's absolutely brilliant. So yes, I uh, completely understand that. And that's a really important point to note. Um, So um, let's maybe move on to understanding about what an asthma attack is and and, and what do we do in um, the event of an asthma attack you mentioned an asthma plan Rahul and I thought it might be useful for you Emily to just talk through what an asthma plan is who has it who writes it what do we do with it as parents and young people and just talk about that a little bit more So
2: written asthma plan is a personal plan given to a individual child and family to describe their medications when they're well and describe the medications when they may have either mild, moderate or severe attack of asthma. The asthma plan clearly defines when to step up the care for your child and when to seek a help such as a 999 or an emergency department. This asthma plan is immensely useful to all carers, such as those in the school or your PE club. Uh, And if you're traveling on a school holiday, it assists uh, uh, teachers and others to help you if you have difficulty in breathing.
0: Thank you. Did you want to say anything, Emily?
3: I think it's I think it's really important to say if you don't have an asthma action plan, it's perfectly acceptable to go to whoever manages your asthma and ask them for one. Knowing about them is one of the key things um, in managing your asthma. And actually, I think one of the things that shocks most of my families when, when I go in and I talk to them about the asthma action plan is actually where we want them to step up. Treatment is much earlier than they think it is. They're waiting for a lot of the very bad symptoms, which is actually where we'd be sending them to hospital. And they're trying to manage that at home. And actually, when we step in and we go through it and we explain why we don't want them to wait so long before seeking help, actually, they feel much more supported, especially if they are ringing for ambulances. A lot of them will quote, you know, I'm on the last step of my asthma action plan. I've done all of this. We need some help. So actually, they're a really useful tool for getting the help that you need. And for having the confidence to deal with the less severe stuff at home.
0: Mm. Yeah, thank you. I certainly learned the hard way. I think when I was working as a respiratory physio, I thought it's fine, I can manage my son at home, I won't burden any, they've got enough to worry about. And then when we did end up admitted, Caleb was quite severely unwell um and I think that's what I've really appreciated about the asthma plan is it gives you that justification for saying right this is the step I'm at I absolutely need to call my asthma nurse or I absolutely need to call my GP or no I need to go to A&E or call the ambulance so I I think it's a fantastic resource because it's so simple and easy to follow and certainly my son understands his asthma plan um yes sorry Rahul what would you I was just
2: going to say that there are three tips I would give it to any family who may receive it for the first time. Uh, uh, keep the asthma plan where you can see it or find it easily. Um, uh, share it with others. And many families now have either a WhatsApp or other groups to share it with each other. And that makes it a lot easier. And check the asthma plan uh, uh, at every clinic review because things may change and often uh, a general practitioner, asthma nurses and consultants want to reduce the medication if your asthma is well controlled.
0: Yes, definitely. Thank you
3: we always recommend that you take a picture of your asthma action plan and save it to your favourite photographs. The reason is, if you're like me and you've got 5,000 pictures on your phone, trying to scroll through them at 3am when you really, really desperately need it and you're not quite yourself and you're not really with it is actually the thing that you want because your phone is always going to be nearby.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you. So another question that someone's sent in is around um, asthma attacks. So I know we've talked a little bit about... Asthma attacks, but I wonder if it's useful to say what does an asthma attack look like and what do I do in an emergency? I know you've alluded to it a little bit from the asthma plan. Um, Emily, do you want to talk about that?
3: So, a lot of our children will start off with a cough that won't go away. So, they're continually coughing. It's kind of catching. They're finding it difficult to get a breath in between those coughing fits. Other children will feel like Rahul said, really tighten the chest up. They've got a tight band wrapped around their chest and they just can't quite get the breath that they need. For other children, they may feel okay, a little bit breathless if they're exercising, but they may become more wheezy. So those are the sort of typical things that we would see. Um, Breathlessness doesn't need to come on with exercise, but it's probably the most common thing that we we see or climbing a flight of stairs. Um, And... What do you need to do? Well, if you sit down, do those symptoms go away? So, if you rest, do they go away? If you're so breathless that that's not helping, we need to be looking at your reliever inhaler. So, in most cases, for most people, that's a blue inhaler. And for almost everyone, that should be taken via a spacer. Okay, everyone should have a spacer. And the reason that we want you to use it is so that when you are so short of breath, you don't need to be taking those great big long bucketfuls as you inhale just the powder into your mouth. We want you to be able to take small little breaths on a steady basis so that you can get that reliever in and working. We normally say start off at two puffs. Have a little rest at that point. Ask yourself, do you feel any better? If you don't, carry on and go up to five and ask the same question am i now starting to feel any better if you're not you should go up to 10 breaths at 10 puffs of your inhaler but stop at that there's no more than 10 if that doesn't last 4 hours then that's an emergency so you can go ahead and take again but you need to seek further help
0: Thanks, Emily. Um, I know there's lots of video and, and things online, particularly with Asthma UK, around how to use a spacer and how to use an inhaler. And that's that's really important. Um, uh, technique can really influence the sort of impact of their inhalers. Is there anything you'd like to say? I think someone asked, um, is the size of the spacer important?
3: For me, it's not size. Size isn't everything. For me it's using a spacer is the important thing the newer spacers have an anti-static pull so they give you more of the medication it doesn't pull out to the sides of a plastic spacer as much anymore the older older more fashioned sort of the bigger volume ones do the job if you can use them properly but for everyday use there is a spacer to suit everyone and I think I don't I don't really mind what that spacer is, so long as you use it correctly. Great,
0: thank you. Uh, yes, Oliver.
1: Um, yeah, I just wanted to come back to the, the the sort of previous stuff that we were talking about um, with um, you know with a, with an asthma attack, and, and as I was hearing Rahul and Emily talking, it remind sort of reminded me of that that key point of seeking help early, um, and sort of paying attention to the symptoms, and it was really you know, really helpful for me as a GP listening to to, to how Emily was expressing stuff. Um, and um, the the essential, so so to my mind, the, the essential nature of of recognising when things are changing for your asthma. Um, so, you know, we are talking about asthma, um, asthma attacks and where people can be really tired needing their 10 puffs. But often in the weeks um, or days preceding that, things will be slightly different. You know, things will be a bit worse. Um, So not always. A child can go from having perfectly controlled asthma and then suddenly have an asthma attack out of nowhere. That is possible. But very often there's a build-up to it. Um, And um, there's something really important about uh, paying attention to that. So, you know, if your asthma is less good um, during this week than it was last week, then there's a problem. And, you know, it may not be a calling-an-ambulance problem, But it's definitely I should be speaking to my asthma nurse or to my GP today um, so that, you know, we can look at the control, try and bring everything back down and prevent you getting to the point where you're needing 10 puffs and calling an ambulance.
3: Certainly, Oliver, we say to our patients, if they're using their subutamore reliever more than three times a week, we ask them to contact us because something isn't quite right. Um, and it can be, they can be weeks without needing that. And then suddenly have a week where things are bad, the hay fever might be bad, but that's when we ask to contact.
1: And do you find, um, um, Emily as well, in, in, in your experience, so um, using, using, that in, using that inhaler, using that three, you know, if you're using it more than three times a week, do you ever find in your experience that people will sort of tough it out? They'll have symptoms and not use it. They'll be like, oh, I play football. And then I have to stop after 20 minutes while my friends keep playing. But, you know, they they don't think to use their inhaler in those moments. um, And then may may not even recognise that as a problem.
3: I find a lot of children accept that as part of their asthma. And they think that that's what having asthma is, that they won't be able to do the same things as their friends do. And one of the things that I talk about when I go into a home visit with the family is we talk to the children about what it's like not to feel like you have asthma and that's where we raise our bar to we raise the bar to being asymptomatic most of the time so not having that cost not having to sit out after 10 minutes of playing football we it says it's not acceptable those are not acceptable to have those as part of your asthma control that's not how asthma should be
0: Thank you. And that was actually one of the questions um, from their children and families was what does good control look like? And I think you've covered that because it's good control is basically living a a normal life with minimal impact of my symptoms. And if that changes for me, then I need to get some advice and look at my asthma plan. Um, My 15 year old son is a very keen hockey player. And he was trying out for county level um, hockey a couple of years ago, but refused to come off the pitch. It was freezing cold. Um, his asthma was getting worse but he would not come off the pitch because he was having these trials and he wanted to show what he could do but actually what happened was he really didn't do very well because he could not keep up so he didn't get into the team that year and I think he learned a lesson that actually taking five minutes out taking my inhaler looking after myself recognising that things are deteriorating and the next year he took it he was very on it with his um, uh, inhalers and he got on the team so yeah, don't, don't be like my son, <laughs> listen to your symptoms. Um, and I think that's hard for parents when your children are turning into teenagers and they're learning to manage the asthma themselves, it can be quite, um, quite challenging.
2: Uh, I was just gonna mention there are some good ruti- routines which families could work together so that the asthma medicines are not forgotten. And that's often one of the difficult things which results in a gradually worsening control. So, for example, uh, for many children, uh, putting a sticker on their toothbrush as a reminder is an easy way to remember the nighttime uh, inhaler. Similarly, some families keep the inhalers and face masks next to the bed or have uh, many of the teenagers don't mind having a reminder on their phone, which they like it. Uh, And uh, in some cases, families have shown us If they decorated their inhaler, their ability to engage with it is much more positive. And families should try every possible way in which this is a bit more positive and fun so you can take your medicines on time and not lose out on your control.
0: Mm, Yeah, definitely. Building it into the routine is really, really important, isn't it? Um, That's great. So, Emily, did you want to add something? Yeah, I was just going to say a lot of our families um, have parents also
3: that have asthma. Um, And when we go and find out parents maybe aren't that great either at remembering their inhalers. So actually, we set them a, a, a challenge to see if they can do it together so that both can role model really great practice with each other. And actually, we tend to find that asthma gets better throughout the household when we've been in, not just with the child that we've gone to see. And we'll often pick up siblings as well that maybe haven't needed to see us before, but we'll give them the same treatment as well.
0: Is there anything that I can do as a parent in terms of my home environment um, to help my child with asthma? House dust
3: mite is probably the biggest factor in most people's homes that I deal with when I go in to have a look. So house dust mites, everyone has them. It's not because you're dirty or unclean. It's nothing to do with that. It's one of the body's natural processes. Um, and we're actually allergic to house dust, might like poo. So that makes it even worse. It sounds even more horrible when you say it like that. They love to be in bedding and in anything sort of clothing material wise so, sofas, carpets, blinds, curtains, whatever you like. Um, and it's things like not sleeping on the bottom bunk. If you've got children in bunk beds, making sure, because every time a person on top of you turns over, you get a shower of house dust mites in the night. So that might be contributing to some of your nighttime symptoms. New pillows, anti-allergy if you can manage it, pillow protectors, mattress protectors, regular cleaning and hoovering of that mattress, opening windows. So just trying to manage that. Other things that I tend to find on home visits are room sprays especially aerosol plugins, so that very very highly perfume smell one of my families I went at Christmas time and not only had they got all the lovely room plugins, but they'd also got like clip-in pine smells as well so we asked them to take it away and within a week that child's asthma got better so that highly wow. perfumed smell was having a massive effect on this child's control um other things that we look for are pets particularly if they're allergic to that pet, very sadly. Um, And we often won't know if they are or they aren't without a little bit of testing or a removal for a small amount of time to see if that gets any better. Um, And other things that we tend to find are environmental pollution issues. So things like damp and mould, particularly where I work, um, are a major factor in our elderly housing stock and overcrowded homes as well. So all of those things really play a massive part in what triggers the children um, and what keeps their their asthma under control.
0: Thank you, Oliver.
1: Uh, yeah, so um, I think probably also um, a biggie which we which we haven't. Haven't mentioned is uh, um, smoking, You know, smoking at uh, parental smoking, um, even smoking outside. You know, um, parents um, parents smoke um, will be impacting their their children's asthma. So, you know, we we ask parents. Not um, importantly, it's um, stepping outside to have a fag is is not the same as not smoking, and um, this will still have an impact. And really, can't emphasise enough the importance. Of, of the impact that that will have on your on your on your child's um, your child's lungs. So yeah, just wanted to flag that up as well as the other more environmental stuff that we've been talking about.
0: Thank you. But it's difficult at the moment. I mean, we're all spending most of our time indoors, aren't we? So this actually getting we all know about outside air pollution, but getting the air quality as optimal as we can inside is probably even more important at the moment. Sorry, Emily, I can't across I, you. No, that's absolutely fine. Uh, and to go on from that, Oliver, we also discuss vaping as
3: well at the home visit because we have concerns. A lot of the vapes are perfumed as well. So your aeros- you've got an aerosol with a perfume in it as well. And we don't really know what the long term consequences of vaping are, either for the parent or for secondhand vape smoke. So we do discuss that with families that that's not really an alternative either.
2: Um. It is some. It is helpful if if you understand your child's triggers because there are a variety of triggers. But most of the parents are aware of some triggers affecting their children a lot more than others. Uh, also, to, uh, have a good plan in your mind. What would you do if the child's symptoms gets worse? And and where would you get your help if required? Um, don't hesitate to engage with children's teachers. It sometimes is not easy, but it does make a big difference, such as a written uh, action plan. And, 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 and if possible, uh, get a flu vaccine, which, which protects your children's lungs in a big way in winter times.
0: I think this is a really good question that somebody submitted and it's just asking around cleaning for covid particularly in schools and will the new cleaning regime in my school um, impact my asthma and if so what what can i do to look after myself i'll hand over to you emily so
3: I'm I'm no expert in this but but we have um gone out to an expert in this who's um Dr. Jo who's an environmental um respiratory doctor um an occupational health doctor and her response was that cleaning chemicals tend to badly affect those that are cleaning so using them rather than sitting in a room after people have cleaned um her feeling was that if you have well-controlled asthma, even strong smells like bleach shouldn't really affect your asthma on a day-to-day basis. Um, if you're uncontrolled then you may find that those things start to trigger and actually we should use that in you know as a flag up you know if you are finding that you're getting symptoms, mm-hmm sitting in a room that's just been cleaned, actually, we probably need to be seeing you either in your GP or your asthma nurse just to find out why, why those things aren't, aren't sitting well with you. Um, conversely, actually, having a cleaner classroom and a cleaner school may actually find that a lot of us um, don't pick up the usual respiratory illnesses that we would normally pick up when we go back to school and and, and around this week 38, which is when we hold Ask About Asthma, um, because everyone comes back to school and they share all the lovely germs that they've picked up during the school holidays, particularly if you haven't been that great at remembering your preventer in the summer holidays because your routine's gone out the window. So what we're hoping is that actually because we are a little bit cleaner, we're washing our hands a little bit more, grown-ups are wearing masks a lot more, um, actually, we're hoping that maybe we won't get as many of those coughs and colds that we would have because we're actually cleaning more. Um, so in answer to it, is it a problem? No, it shouldn't be a problem. But if, if it is affecting you badly, then you really do need to go and speak to either your asthma nurse or your GP about why your symptoms are so bad with, with specific cleaning chemicals.
0: Great, thank you. Well, fingers crossed for that helping all of us with the new cleaning regime. Less diarrhoea and vomiting as well, perhaps. Let's see. <laughs> um, you mentioned preventer, So I don't think we went into a lot of detail on this earlier. And one of the questions which I've skipped accidentally was, I'm feeling really well. Why do I need to keep taking my preventer?"
1: The first, um, the first thing about listening in, my, my asthma is really well controlled. Do I need my preventer? I think the first part of that is um, the place to start. So, is it really well controlled? So often, we see that um, what some people are prepared to tolerate um, is not actually the standard that we are really aiming for as um, as people who look after children with asthma. And there's different. Um, so there's different things to look into for that. One of the one of the the, 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 the the key tools that we use when we're speaking um, to to children or parents is um, is the asthma control test, which is a series of questions um, which you can go through, which will give us a sense to what extent you're experiencing symptoms. And sometimes it's quite interesting, um, the um, answers that people will give to those questions compared to what they think is going on with their asthma. And they can be quite surprised when we tell them that actually, you know, they, they, they may state, I think I'm fine. And yet when we draw, draw, drill down into it, we discover that actually it's not what we would class as fine. So I think that's the, the first thing. I would also say um, the length of time that you've been feeling fine for is also important. So, you know, if you've been taking your preventer and you've been feeling great for two weeks, I'm delighted. It's because you're using your preventer Um So, you know, under no circumstances should you even be thinking about stopping. Um, But in some cases, if you've been really well controlled, you know, you've not needed your salbutamol, your your blue inhaler, your reliever inhaler. You've not needed it for months. Um, You've had no symptoms. There's no impact on your life. Come and speak to your um, health professional. So come and speak to your GP, speak to your community asthma nurse and whoever it might be. And we can go through it with you. Really get an understanding of it because in some cases, um, it might be possible to step down your uh, to step down your um, medicine. Um, it is it is possible, but um, as so, um, yes, it's possible to step down, um, but you should never do it on your own, not without ha- actually having spoken to somebody um, in advance. You have to remember that that thing that that you know the the, the reality that your your asthma way may be well controlled because you're taking the medicine. Um, and um, you know, rather than that your asthma is better, so you know, don't ever be lulled into a false sense of security. But we're always happy to you know chat to you about it, um, and and we can discuss stepping down treatment if required in the same way that we would discuss stepping up treatment if it looked like control was going off a little bit.
0: Some of the other questions that have that have come to us are around diagnosis, and I know that a lot of people know that as that um, wheeze is a, is a big symptom of asthma. Um, I think possibly there's less discussion about cough as an early symptom of asthma. And I wonder, um, I know certainly with my son, he has, you know, when he's ill, he coughs a lot all night, all day. Um, so I wonder what you would say to a parent who's concerned about their child's cough and and when to understand that that's a problem and when to seek help and and when that might be a diagnosis of asthma? Sorry, that's a very long-winded question, but I think you get my gist. (laughs) Over to you, Rahul.
2: So cough is a typical symptom of asthma and it's often the first one parents and patients and families notice. But in young children, there are many other reasons for cough particularly at the start where the diagnosis is unclear or you're suspecting it. But there are a couple of tips to think about and ask for help if you notice them. So if you notice that the child is coughing more prominently at night or in the early hours of the morning, that does suggest it may be more due to asthma. If the cough doesn't go away and keeps on coming back without any good reason, it does suggest that it is possibly because of asthma. And if the coughing occurs uh, prominently after doing an exercise, then that does suggest that this might be an asthma. Or or some families are able to clearly notice that that the the pollen season or being in contact with certain animals or around moldy area uh, makes their child go wheezy, and that might give an indication it's asthma. And it's a time to seek help
0: to clarify whether it is an asthma or not. Great. So advice to parents, if your child has a cough, it's not going away, talk to your GP and they will chat through all of these things and really sort of unpick what may or may not be asthma. That's really helpful. Um, Yes, Oliver.
1: Yeah, I think just just echoing what Rahul was saying there, that, um, you know, often a child with asthma will have a cough, but not all coughs are asthma. And that's just just to just to bear in mind Um there, there may be other reasons. And that's part of what we would be going through when we're having those conversations and trying to determine what the pattern is and what else might be going on.
0: Great. Thank you. Something we mentioned before we came on air. I don't know if that's the phrase, but anyway, before we went live um, was, um, Emily, you mentioned about postnasal drip. I don't know whether that's something you want to just. Explain very briefly. Um, so post nasal drip tends to come.
3: It's, it's an overproduction of snot, basically. There's no. There's no polite way of putting that. It's an overproduction of snot that drips down the back of your nose and hits the back of your throat. Sometimes it can give you a bit of a funny taste. For some people, it produces a cough. Um, In most cases, it's either a virus or um, an allergic reaction sort of type touch. For most people, just taking um, a nasal spray, a normal over-the-counter nasal spray is enough to stop that overproduction of mucus. And with that, the cough does go away. And actually, asthma symptoms tend to go away as well, because it can lead to a bit of an inflammation of the throat and the airway. So the, the, the passage where the, the air goes down and into the lung. Um, and all of that combined, it can sort of mess up your asthma as well. So we tend to find that we give a lot of nasal sprays, a lot uh, as well as a lot of inhalers in asthma.
0: Great, thank you. So I think we've covered quite a lot. We've talked about what asthma is, we've talked about symptoms, we've talked about how to get help from your GP. I guess one, uh, and and then specialist help if you need it. I guess one COVID pertinent question is, my GP surgery is not open for face-to-face appointments. What do I do if I'm worried and how do I speak to my GP? I'll hand over to our GP expert (laughs) for that one.
1: Yes yeah, so um i think um this this sort of rings ticks a, a, a couple of boxes for why this is important to me to answer as a question the first is that um gp surgeries are open for face to face appointments during um during the the, um, the the pandemic um the change that people may notice is that um that often the practice will ask for a Remote consultation for so either by telephone or video, and frequently as GPs, um, uh, this is something that we're able um, to do to do well. So, so managing and um, managing people remotely, managing people over the telephone or by video, is actually, you know, um, uh, a, a thing that's been happening in general practice for a long time. Um, in those cases where we've um, had a conversation with you and feel that you need to be seen face to face, then we can we can we can bring you in. So um, yes, yeah, so, so don't, don't worry, general practice is open. There is no suggestion that uh, if you need assistance that you won't be able to get it. So if you're worried, yes, please call your GP surgery, you will be able to speak to a GP, you will be able to support you with advice. Um, and then it's just important to, to follow your action plan. So um, if you feel like um, it's a slight deterioration, please call your GP, if it's an emergency, then follow your action plan, call 99, go to the emergency department and and, and, and do it that that way. Um the, the the health service during coronavirus is slightly different, but it is open. So please, 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 if you need to speak to a GP, call your GP, your GP will speak to you.
2: I think it's a similar advice for families. If your child is having excessive difficulty in breathing, and your written action plan suggests that you should call nine nine nine. Uh, Please do not delay. The hospitals have made arrangements to receive children safely and provide care in this COVID environment.
0: Great, thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to add from your experience of working with numerous children and young people and families across London? Maybe um, one of the most frequent worries or issues that children raise and how you answer that or yeah any last reflections before we close um emily do you want to go first
3: um i think possibly one of the questions that i get asked a lot is um obviously does my child need to be on this long term a lot of parents are worried about growth and steroids because they don't understand the difference between inhaled steroids and the steroids that we might take for bodybuilding and all of those kind of things. So I spent a lot of time explaining the difference between oral steroids and the very much smaller dose of inhaled corticosteroid that goes to where we want it to go into the lungs. Um, So my my message would be to reassure that the small dose that you need to control your asthma won't have
0: an impact on your growth if you take it right. Thank you. Rahul, do you want to to go next?
2: I would say 75% of asthma visits to emergency department are preventable with a good annual review following an action plan and taking your preventive inhaler medications regularly.
0: Oliver, do you have anything to add finally?
1: Yeah, so um, I think, you know, echoing... um, Echoing what um, Rahul was just saying, the importance of um, the importance of of um, reviews of, of having a regular review, understanding your condition, and taking your medicines, and these are the three, you know, the three asks from the Ask About Asthma campaign: Have you had an annual review? Have you got a written asthma action plan? And do you know how to use your inhalers? Have you been shown how to use your inhalers properly? So really, um, you know, emphasise that, um, and I suppose. I would flag to um, flag to parents as well. Speaking as a GP, and I'm sure this might be recognised by by Emily and Rahul as well, um, is um, the is the importance of those reviews. So what we're trying to do um, very much is to prevent problems. So we're trying to prevent you having an asthma attack, and a big part of that um, is uh, is speaking to you when you're well. Um, and certainly in my experience as a GP, it's, we struggle to bring parents in to an asthma review to, to come in, to engage with us when their child is well. Um, and I think I would, you know, that, I think that would be a, a kind of key point I would like to flag to to young people and parents. Um, you know, it, it is important to make those contacts, to have those reviews, to ensure that everything is OK and, um, even if things have been fine for six months or a year, that's wonderful. But it doesn't reduce the importance of, of, of having that check-in, making sure we've got you on the right medicines, making sure um, that we're um, we're asking the right questions and you're asking yourselves the right questions about really, honestly, how good is my control and how good am I at looking after my, my own asthma? So, yeah, really want to flag that point to, to parents and, and young people that will be listening. Mm,
0: thank you. Um, I think... Yes for us that's been really helpful in our family and I think um, it's easy to feel like you're wasting someone's time if you're feeling fine and the GP's really busy but actually it's so important because that's your only touch point with your GP and and like you said our um, you know my son's healthcare professionals love to see him and know that he's doing well and set, send us on our way for another six months so yes really um, really important point. Okay Thank you, everyone. That's that's fantastic. It's been a whistle-stop tour of, of asthma um, over the last hour and I've really appreciated um, all your expertise. I've certainly learned some things today. I'm sure those who are listening have learned too. So uh, a big thank you to Oliver, Emily and Rahul. Um, there are a number of things going on as part of the Ask About Asthma campaign. So please do check out social media, um, have a look online to see what else is going on. Follow the hashtag AskAboutAsthma. Um, and I know there's a series of podcasts with some really interesting and um useful topics over the week um oliver do you want to tell us a little bit about what's happening podcast wise
1: yeah uh thanks hannah so a little a little plug for some of the other podcasts in the in the in the mini series that we um are making available and um, these will be um available at the healthylondon.org uh website this is the website for healthy london partnership Um, We have uh, one on asthma friendly schools with Karen Rodosano, Um, air quality, what we've learned from COVID with Jonathan Grigg, Uh, learning from asthma deaths with um, uh, Mark Levy, Um, the role of tertiary care in asthma management with Louise Fleming, Um, and uh, um, uh, learning from the work of uh, Tower Hamlets with um, Tori hadaway Amrita Rita Arujo. Arouge, I hope I pronounced her name correctly. I got it wrong this morning when I was talking to her on the podcast. She'll she'll let me know, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure she'll yeah, so, you. so we have those we have those also available.
0: Great, thank you. Lovely. Well we'll call it a day and I look forward to seeing all the resources online in September.